0: My name is Madeline. I'm a medical student and host of the Voices of Aging podcast out of the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. This week is Careers in Aging Week. For the occasion, we have a week's worth of episodes lined up from a variety of folks involved in aging work. Make sure to tune in every day this week to learn all you can about working in aging.
1: Welcome to Voices of Aging, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we invite people working in a variety of different fields related to aging and hear their stories. Tune in, either you're considering a career in aging, or want to learn more about aging fields, or simply want to listen to a stimulating conversation, you will find something you like. Find Voices of Aging on the iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: This is Madeline with the Voices of Aging podcast. Um, Today, our guest is Anne McLaughlin, Anne is a Health and Aging Policy Fellow in the Office of Congresswoman Jan Chikowsky. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank
2: you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: And I do have to say, based on what I looked up on your LinkedIn profile, you have a very um, fascinating background, so I'm excited to get into that. Uh, But firstly, perhaps we could start with you introducing yourself to our audience. Tell us about what you're currently doing, working on, as it pertains to aging.
2: Absolutely. As you mentioned, I am a health and aging policy fellow. So I'm in a year long fellowship designed to take people who are interested in aging and work in the aging field or have done graduate studies in the aging field and introduces them to the policy side of aging issues. And it's a intensive orientation period where you get to meet and have seminars and different discussions with people in the executive branch of the federal government, in Congress, and then with different advocacy groups and other organizations involved at the state level as well. And during that fellowship, you work for about nine months, somewhere either in the executive branch with an advocacy group, sometimes at the state level, or in Congress, and you're actually working on aging-specific policy. So you're using your area of expertise and also learning from others in this field to create better aging policy. Wonderful. So I'm currently that- working on policy at the congressional level, and I'm writing a bill right now, and also working on getting some other bills for the Congresswoman related to aging through Congress.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. Um, could you maybe tell us about one of those bills, just a couple of details surrounding it?
2: Absolutely. So one of the bills that um, we're working on getting passed right now is called the Access Bill, um, provides grant money for HERSA for telehealth purposes for nursing homes. And it's specific to the coronavirus epidemic, or excuse me, pandemic. And what it does is it it addresses the issue that a lot of nursing homes don't necessarily have the broadband they need for telehealth services or televisitation, and also do not necessarily have iPads for residents to use. There might be one or two, but not enough for all the residents they have. So this is a grant program through HRSA to address that issue.
0: Yeah, that isn't necessarily something I um, would have thought of um, as an area of need, but that makes perfect sense, and I'm glad that that's being addressed. Um, what what inspired you to enter this fellowship, and kind of what what brought you to this point?
2: So I'm actually a musician by training, <laughs> and finishing graduate school in music, I needed a place to stay in order to launch my performing career, and I had previously spent 2 weeks living at an assisted living independent living community in Indiana for a heart competition and really enjoyed the experience and thought the intergenerational um, conversations were just fascinating and i thought why don't i reach out to some assisted living communities and see if maybe someone will let me live there for free for a few months in exchange for me playing a certain number of concerts for you know each week and there was a assisted living site that took me up on this. And I lived in one of their studio apartments for six months as their harpist in residence. And the experience really changed me professionally. I had never experienced aging on a day-to-day basis because I, it was really interesting to see the struggles for people and for their families. And I also realized the challenges of running senior living. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that I wouldn't have thought about until I lived in it, and it inspired me to go back and learn about the business side of this and the administrative side of it. So I returned to school for a master's of healthcare administration, and um, was licensed during that time or recently after that and, as a nursing home administrator in Minnesota. And I realized um, during that master's that the challenges I saw in senior care weren't going to be fixed at an individual site. You could fix, sure, they could fix certain things at an individual site, but there were broader issues in terms of how we gave care to seniors in this country that needed policy solutions. And although I had understanding of the business side and the regulation side, I didn't understand how that policy was made. So I took this fellowship opportunity as a way to learn that and then use my skills in that arena to make broader change than just site-specific change.
0: That is phenomenal. I just think your backstory relating to music is so interesting. Um, And I have a uh, follow-up question related to that. Um, Could you speak a little bit more to what you were witnessing while you were a live-in harpist that um, at the root was kind of the the inspiration that led you to where you are now?
2: One of them was the challenges that you had as a a family member, as you're watching, maybe your mother or um, your aunt, go through the d- dementia decline process, and how how hard that is on a family emotionally, and how hard that is on the resident, who's the the person who has the dementia, but also from a from a business perspective or how you're or an administrative perspective when you're running a site, that it's it's really hard. How do you manage these challenges that come with that if someone has a behavior how do you treat them well as they deserve as a human being but also create an environment around them that's pleasant for the other residents and it's a really tricky balancing act and all while you're also just doing your everyday things and this is going on with multiple families and that was that was one of the particular issues that really kind of raised my attention.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm also curious, um, where do you see yourself going career-wise um, after this fellowship concludes?
2: I'll definitely be staying in the policy arena. I definitely have the policy bug. I will probably stay at the federal level for a little while um, because that's the fellowship is designed, that's kind of where I'm working right now. But I see myself long-term working at a state level instead. Um, states generally have more innovation that's happening faster than at the federal level, at least currently in the senior space. And it's there's often a little more energy, I guess, to get things done in a faster manner and to actually see things come to fruition and try new things and address problems a little faster than it happens at the federal level.
0: Wonderful. And it's so exciting. It seems like you've found your your passion through this. I'm curious if you could tell us as well, what does a typical day look like for you in this fellowship? So that's
2: that's a very interesting question. So since I'm in Congress, Congress is, it's it's all new stuff all the time. Um, A good portion of my day is spent in meetings with whether it's constituents or advocacy groups, or um, special interest groups coming to the Congresswoman's office saying, hey, I have this problem. Here's the solution that I want you to go through or can you help me? So I I spend a lot of time just with that communication piece. Um, But from a more policy perspective, talking with experts in the field, saying we have a problem and we'd like to address this, this is how we think we'd like to address it. does this work within the regulations? Do we have to change the regulations? And how, how might we go through that? And that—that's um, probably that's the most exciting part uh, for me, at least from a policy perspective, is that creating and trying to figure out what solution will get the results you want. And that's something interesting about Congress is that's a really that finding that spot is really challenging.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, so I think this will be sort of perhaps interesting for you to answer. Um, we, we often like to consider how uh, people currently working in aging um, their career goals evolved. So thinking of yourself as a student over time, what did that look like for you?
2: So from a career perspective and where I saw myself as a musician it was I'm a performer by by degrees so I was my goals were always, play concertos with symphonies or go on tour and have a one woman show and that sort of thing. And it was um, very performance focused, touring focused. And then when I had this moment of reflection, when I was living in this assisted living site, um, I realized how much I like to be around other people and how beautiful it is to have a, be in a position where you can see positive things you do have positive effects on other people. And I realized that I missed that in music. I love the performance. I love the thrill. But um, that, that pleasant satisfaction to finish your day and say, Oh, I made Bob or I made Betty happy today. Like you didn't always get that. And I missed that. And I also realized I missed that problem-solving aspect of human interaction. As, as a sole artist, I was missing that. And I really, and that's what I was looking for when I went into this Master's of Healthcare Administration is that making a difference, improving quality of care for people, and then having that problem-solving problem, problem solving all the time aspect to your job. And then when I was in my Master's of Healthcare Administration program, what I, what I really began to notice in that was I saw problems in how and how, in this case, seniors, the healthcare system doesn't often work out well for them. But the administration program, sure, there's components of trying to solve these problems, but it was all on a site-by-site basis. What can my hospital do to fix this? What can my nursing home do to fix this? And I saw matching issues across organizations. It's like, wow, if we put in a policy that could fix that problem across all those organizations at once, and we don't have to have this patchwork of everyone trying um, to do the do their best with the situation, whatever it would be. Um, and that's what led me to policy was the big picture component.
0: Yeah, um, and I think that's perfectly stated. It's it's necessary at times, certainly, to take that bird's eye view to make sure you're getting that whole picture. And I'm also wondering, based on your personal progression, do you wish you had done anything differently? Or are you just sort of pleased with with how your path um, turned out? I
2: mean, one thing I'd wish I had done, especially since I'm now in policy, was I had wished that I had spent some time at the state capitol during my program, just a day or two followed a special interest group or came with a trade organization or something to see that side of the policymaking process um, because I think not that it would have changed something dramatically, but that would have been great information to have going forward. And I think it's something that even if you're not interested in policy, if you're working in aging in any manner, that's definitely worth your time to do that once just to see how that process works.
0: I can, I can definitely understand that because I think it's not um, something that's frequently discussed in Uh, the curriculums of many of our programs. If you had a single piece of advice for current graduate students hoping to enter a career in aging, what would that be?
2: One thing would be sometimes people frown or say, oh, that's nice. You do. You help older people. And it can sometimes be a little disheartening because you feel like you're the side of Healthcare in particular, that's maybe not always the focus of everyone's interest. And I think it's important to know, even if you feel like that, it's still very important what you do. And they we need you and we need your creativity and your innovation and your skills to help solve a lot of the large challenges we face in aging in America. And we do need you. What you do is important.
0: Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's really important. I am also wondering if you could speak a little bit about perhaps a more challenging aspect of the current work that you're doing.
2: It's a, it's a little hard to explain, but I think all of us from high school government class or political science class have this idea of how we think Congress works, and it's actually much different in reality, and one of the things that really surprised me immensely is you have an office in D.C., so I work for a congresswoman, and we're very small. There's her entire staff, like, in the, our office, when you have less than 10 people who are having to cover all of the legislative areas, and that's defense, healthcare, education, foreign affairs, everything, plus chat with people who are coming in to ask for requests and the like, it's an incredible amount of breath to cover. So it's, you're constantly changing what you're doing. Every 30 minutes, it's a n- completely new idea. And it's, um that's probably the most challenging thing for me. <laughs> it's just having to split your brain in multiple directions very quickly.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I would have envisioned the need for such a high degree of like flexibility. That's interesting. Um, on the flip side... What do you think is the most rewarding thing about the work that you do?
2: Being part of the puzzle to create a solution. That's just, that's, that's really thrilling. And knowing that you added something, you're not the one person who solves the problem. There's not one person who solves these, but being part of that is very exciting.
0: Absolutely. Um, That must feel incredible. I'd like to bring things to a more personal level if you're comfortable. And I'm curious, when you imagine the care for older people in your own life, has this fellowship or um, uh, any prior education up to this point changed your perception on that? Um, So in other words, do you see yourself caring for older individuals in your family um, in a particular way based on the work that you do? Yes and
2: no. I think the the love that I have for those people and my wants for them to have the best care possible and the best years at the end of their life as possible, I think that's the same. But I think the manner and how I'd go about it and kind of my awareness of the challenges even if it's just simply in finding good care, whether that's home and community-based services or a nursing home, that's, I'm much more aware of that.
0: All right. And then just to kind of begin to wrap things up here, um, I think we can agree that it's, it's often assumed the aging population has a collective wisdom of experience to learn from. So I would love to hear, if you have any nuggets of wisdom um, to pass along that you've heard from an older person.
2: This isn't a direct quote from anyone, but I have a dear friend who's a senior and the way she lives her life and has embraced being an octogenarian is just so inspiring. And this goes back to the answer from earlier. um, Older adults who are able to stay engaged with where they are, willing to learn new things. In her case, she was great with a smartphone. It's amazing. The willingness to stay social and engaged really can make those last decades of your life so much more fulfilling. And if you're able to do that, yes, you may have arthritis, you may need a walker, you may not, you may need a wheelchair, but you can still really participate in society and that's so important not only for your mental health but even for your physical health and your excitement to go about life and that's just a really really beautiful thing to see
0: definitely i kind of the mindset that things just get more exciting as time goes on rather than becoming uh, more filled with dread or something like that Mm
2: -hmm. or becoming even fossilized Stop at right. your life and just maintaining it the way it, it always was at a certain age and then never changing.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's incredibly inspiring. Um, well, I think that wraps up all of the questions that I have for you. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation today.
2: Yes, me too. It was really wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you.
1: This podcast is brought to you by ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. We are a collaborative networking group for students studying aging across the university. Stay tuned for the next episodes of Voices of Aging, where you learn more about aging through experts.